a very successful online clothing retailer came out and said, you know, yeah, we're going to build brick and mortar stores because no one, no one has figured out how to make online clothing retail profitable. And I think that says everything about where we're going to go in the next five years. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome to a brand new decade and... Welcome back to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Kristen Carpenter, your dedicated host. I'm here to serve today on episode 115 of the Channel Mastery Podcast. It is the first episode of 2020, and it is co-produced by Verde Brand Communications, as well as Snooze. You can check us out at verdepr.com and connect with Snooze at snoozenet.com. All right, we have a great show lined up for you today, Channel Masters. It is so hard to believe that it has been five years since locally hit the scene in our specialty markets. Five years. I mean, so much has evolved. So much continues to evolve in that time with our target consumers. But we all know that the past five years have been monumental in terms of how much evolution has taken place and how much our businesses are transforming because of that evolution of the consumer. And for those of you in our audience who are who might be unfamiliar with Locally, I wanted to just give a quick explanation of what Locally is. It's, you can find out more about it, of course, at Locally.com. But basically, Locally connects consumers with premium specialty brands and in-stock products at their favorite retailers. The company is dedicated to helping specialty brands and retailers succeed in serving today's connected omnichannel shopper. And today you're going to hear from Locally's co-founder, Mike Massey, who is also the proprietor of the multi-door specialty outdoor shop, Massey's Outfitters. You'll also be hearing from the VP of Business Development at Locally, Teddy Schiavone, who was also a prominent snow sports specialty retailer until very recently. He sold his shop, Summit Ski and Snowboard, to go all in at Locally in 2019. The specialty markets that locally serves did not have lightning-fast adoption of the service it provides. In fact, there was a lot of speculation when it launched, for a few years actually, and Mike does talk about that a little bit today. He said that he and the team explained a lot in the first few years that locally existed to solve a reality that was shared by retailers and brands. I would say shared, but not necessarily accepted, but shared. That reality is the fact that the consumer was doing product research online and locally provided a solution to involve the brand and the retailer in the behavior that the consumer was already practicing. 
Mike and Teddy have been on the Channel Mastery podcast in the past multiple times, and we keep having them back because they're out there in the trenches day in and day out leading locally. It's a triangulation point, in my opinion, from consumer to brand to retailer, and it's helping our markets understand how the consumer is evolving as well as how key channels are evolving. And in this episode, we hit on the Nike Amazon news that broke during the holiday hustle in 2019, but we don't just talk about the headline. We actually talk about the paradigm shift that it represented with the role of logistics as multi-channel specialty brands and retailers continue to evolve. We also talk about the evolution of the concept of building community for your consumer and also the growing importance of a brand's culture, mission, and vision on how that defines the consumer experience more and more. But I think one of the most important things we talk about in this episode is we discuss how in the next few years, we're very likely going to see brands and retailers merging their offer to consumers even more closely. Channel Masters, we are in a brand new decade and we're kicking off a brand new year. This episode frames up the key direction and trends influencing the behavior of your focal consumer and will give you a scalpel-like edge as a specialty business competing with mass retailer and marketplaces. So let's jump right in to the Channel Mastery episode featuring Mike Massey and Teddy Schiavone of Locally. Let's do this. It is a special day here at Channel Mastery when I get to have two friends of the podcast and friends of me personally on. Please welcome Mike Massey and Teddy Schiavone back to the podcast. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you back. Thank you. It's Kristen. Good to be here. And I wanted to just quickly talk about Teddy's role at Locally because he is now full-time there and having the time of his life. Um, we are going to get into a couple of more updates on Locally at the close of the show here, so make sure you listen it up to the very end. But Teddy, tell us about uh, how this year has gone for you in your new career. <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been so much fun. It doesn't even feel like work. It's uh, it's been great, yeah. So heading up business development here locally and working with Mike has been fantastic, and uh, uh, expanding, uh, you know, globally brands, retailers, retailer activations, participation, you know, planning up for the future here. It's just been tremendous. I, I could go on and on, but you don't want to hear all the the, the details of it. It's been well, a blast, and I hear you're crushing it. So that's definitely an indication that that you love your new gig. So how about you, Mike? How's everything going? Here we are, obviously, right at the end of November. This show won't probably uh, air until early January, but how's this? How's 2019 been for you with Locally? It's been a great year. I think it's been our best year that we've had since we started the company. Um, what's really been great is, you know, walking in and meeting with either retailers, you know, going to trade shows, which we're doing more of than ever before, um, you know, talking to, you know, every level of person that works at companies, you know, and all of them telling us stories about, um, you know, how their eyes open to the fact that like, you know, getting information about where to buy products into the consumer, into the online consumer's hands is like driving people into their stores. You know, we, we love that. I love, I love going out and talking to people and, and hearing their stories about how, you know, a customer walked in that had never even heard of their store, but found them online because of some, you know, various integration that we've done with a brand. It's, it's, it's been a great year. You're like, it's working. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we first got started <laughs> with the company, it was, um, you know, a lot of people were just scratching. They're like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, 
like why are you trying to solve this aspect of like you know the the you know the consumer's journey and we're, you know we explain like you know we see the consumer doing most of their research online five years down the road and here we are five years down the road and people are all telling us you know that's what's happening yep and you're doing your best to not say i know you make it their idea. But anyways, I digress. We're going to go into more of your news and they have some very, very special things to talk about at the end of the episode here. But what we're here to talk about today is to bring, I think, a lot of value to the Channel Mastery audience around a recent headline that I know everybody has seen, but there has been not very much um, information or relevant conversation or resources added to the specialty audience, which is who we all serve here, all of us. So. Um, I wanted to bring up the topic of Nike leaving Amazon. So Mike, you and I were talking about this before we hit record. It's obviously a super important headline for specialty brands and retailers to take note of. So let's, let's start by having you guys talk about why you think this is so important. What, what facet of it specifically is so important to the specialty brand and retailer out there? I think that um, in every way, what this says is a lot of what we've been saying for the last few years is that, you know, online marketplaces, faceless online, online marketplaces, you know, do very little to create the goodwill that they burn off. And, um, and I think Nike's comment about community is, is, is a good representation of exactly what, you know, we've said all along is that, is that, you know, you if you are, if you're experiencing a tremendous amount of goodwill in your company, you know, that's, that's good enough that you're able to sell your products into a, you know, into a, into a, just a pure logistics system like Amazon and, you know, have them drop ship all over the country, you know, and customers are going to come find you. That's great. But the reality is, is that, is that that's not really creating the same type of community that having advocates and word of mouth people, you know, bricks and brick and mortar people on the ground advocating for your products that that really does create goodwill, and um and a lot of our clients, um you know have really experienced this in the last year, and and seeing that Nike News was real validation of that. Teddy, do you have anything you'd like to weigh in on this? I think Mike just hit the nail on the head. I think it really comes down to you know brands you know needing to you know reach out and touch the communities uh, that support them. And in the past, the three of us and, you know, a lot of other shows we've done here, but I know we've all talked about this on the podcast before, we've talked about how important it is for brands, especially brands to have consistency across channels. That could be pricing, that could be storytelling, it could be visual representation. Even when we have Amazon specialists on the podcast, they say the same thing. We don't want our consumers to show up anywhere our product is or our brand is and have a fragmented experience because it erodes trust. And I think what this headline is showing is that it matters just as much where consumers are buying the product. It's not just about consistency um, in terms of like how the brand is, is visually depicted or the pricing. I think that they are creating a statement about themselves also about where they're buying the product. And it's almost like a a part of how they're belonging to your brand is is the actual experience of them purchasing the product. Would you agree with that? I agree with it. I, I I couldn't agree with that more. I think that um, you know that that the consumer behavior, the omni-channel consumer, that that behavior is a consumer that moves from place to place. You know, as frictionlessly as possible, the better. You know, if 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 a brand can facilitate a purchase at a local store 
or direct consumer or basically, you know, fulfill the, 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 the customer's, you know, requirement. It doesn't really matter where the customer is. What, what matters is that, is that the brand is saying yes or the retailer is saying yes all the time. Right. I'm totally with you there. Um, and I think it also, uh, you guys brought up a great point too while we were rehearsing this conversation around just the amount of, I mean, literally even our employees join specialty brands because they love the culture. They love what it stands for, for lifestyle. They're enthusiasts for it, right? And that to me is something that Amazon simply cannot serve. And so it's almost like we're, we're sitting here looking at this, you know, this is an age-old question that we've had, right? Is it worth investing in that reach anymore? Is it, is it like a solution that even needs to be solved anymore? Like where are we in, in, two, in 2020, in your opinion, in terms of like that logistics and solution that Amazon has been, I think, a turnkey fit for? Almost I'm, too good to say no to, you know? I'll add something here, and I think, it's, um, I think it's super important. As somebody who's unfortunately been in retail for my whole life, and it's been a lot of years, um, it feels as though we're repeating exactly the same um, sky is falling prognostications that um, you know that that we saw when when Walmart first hit the scene in retail, and um, you know, and and we were all, especially retailers, concerned that Walmart would eventually get their hands on every one of our brands that was truly special, and um, you know, and and reality what ended up shaking out was that you ended up with a mass market business and you end up with a specialty business. We understand definitively as both consumers and as businesses, you know, where each of those lands. And I think today, um, you know, you're, you're not going to find, um, you know, Apple products or, you know, Rolex products or, you know, really premium brands positioned next to toilet paper purchases. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just being serious. I mean, you know, we, we're seeing the, the, you know, that, that brands are, are forcing their channels to decide, are you a specialty channel or are you a mass market channel? The logistics is not as much of an issue, and that's what Nike said in their press release. That is a fantastic way of putting it, I think. Um, and I just have to say, I was in Bentonville recently for a media um, weekend before we launched a gravel event down there for Lifetime. And it was really interesting to see. I was in my Uber on the way to the airport super early. And um, there were, I asked the driver, I'm like, how many Walmarts are there in Bentonville? And he's, he worked for Sam's Club. Pretty much every Uber driver that we had that weekend worked for either Walmart or Sam's Club as like a moonlighting gig. But I think he said like 14 or 15. And <laughs> I, you know, it was early morning and I'm driving by these concept gas stations and concept 7-Eleven knockoffs. And it literally felt like I was in a Disneyland of Walmarts, you know? <laughs> like it was like a movie set where I was looking at all these different Walmarts. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it seemed like a lot of the concepts they were testing were trying to be more specialty, like the actual brick and mortar Walmart trying to position itself as a specialty little neighborhood shop. And so we've all sat there for the past couple of years um, looking at, you know, what's going to happen in the coming year. We usually, we talk a lot, especially in December and January. I usually, usually have you guys either on a show or a panel in January pretty regularly. And we usually find a way to say specialties in the pole position, but I have to say, like I've actually never seen the opportunity that I do today for what we do and what people want in terms of what we do naturally as specialty brands and retailers 
because I feel like consumers are just really like hand over fist selecting experiences over algorithms, human to human over algorithms as much as they can. And like, I feel like the only way that we could create that community that they want to belong to is through special experiences, whether it's them buying at a specialty store or whether it's giving them a special brand experience online. And I just feel like 2020 is going to be a very definitive year in that way. Yeah, for sure. And 2020 is going to be the year of authenticity. Oh, Teddy, people don't (laughs) like that word. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you need to put it in context for us. It's coming down to, you know, brands wanting to be, you know, authentic to their shoppers, to their users, to their enthusiasts, you know, it's the identity of the brand. It's the culture of the brand. It's, it's, it's what, it's what shapes a brand and the lifestyle of the people who enjoy it. And, you know, if you, if you look at how people are operating these days, you know, there are so many folks out there who aren't purchasing, they're renting, right? I need a bike for the weekend. I need a, I need a car for the day. People are renting furniture. You know, they're not, you know, people aren't making commitments to things unless they really believe in it. And it's got to be something that they're going to make an investment in. And their purchases are a part of them themselves and their lifestyle and, and who they are. And, and so when I, when I say authentic, you know, I'm really saying that, you know, these brands need to really be true to their end users, the, the people who support them the most. And, uh, and they need to be able to touch those shoppers and, and give them a reason to want to be a part of that same culture. I agree. Hence the authenticity. And I I really like that when you explain it that way, because marketing has a tendency to ruin everything and they certainly have not done that word justice, (laughs) but it is an important word for us to consider as we're looking at 2020. I don't know if either one of you can on the fly, give us an example of one of your favorite brands, whether it's in our space or not, that is being true to their end users, no matter what. I have one example, but I'd love to hear from you. I can I can think of Brooks Running right off the top of my head. I look at what Brooks Running's been doing and how, you know, Brooks Running is really activating their wholesale channel. They're activating their retailers who are ingrained in the communities around the country, around the world, who are out there running, running clubs, sponsoring events, you know, so on and so forth. It could be a turkey trot, you know, but the bottom line is that you know, these retailers, these brick and mortars are just ingrained in the local communities. They have relationships with shoppers, you know, and shoppers have a trust with them. And Brooks Running is saying, well, we need to be activated with these retailers who have this touch to the end user. And they're doing a fantastic job of it. How about you, Mike? Do you have an example you'd like to share? That's a great one, by the way. I I do think Brooks is a phenomenal one. And, um, you know, we work really, really closely with them to like, turn their dealer system into their logistics network. You know, I think that they realize that, you know, that, that, that having their logistics networks consolidated, you know, into one or two big internet behemoths was presenting a, um, a long-term, uh, you know, risk to their company. And so, um, you know, we worked with them going back into July to build um, same-day delivery nationwide for their products. And it's been great. You know, it allows the local retailer to be the service point. It's not a question of like selection or service or being fit. It's, it's like, how do we do all of these things for our consumer? You know, it's not, it's not, do I do prime? Do I do shop at 11 o'clock at night? Or do I do the whole thing where I walk into a store and get service? And it's not a, 
It, we don't need to do or anymore. It's, it's and now. You know, it's how do I get fit? How do I have a great return? How do I, um, you know, get a warranty service? And how do I shop at 11 o'clock at night and get those shoes to my office tomorrow at, you know, lunchtime? You know, if we can do all of those things simultaneously, then, um, then we're doing exactly what Nike said. They said, you know, there's not a giant chasm in logistics anymore between what Amazon was able to offer five years ago, and, you know, with Prime versus what they, what's available today. I mean, I, I'm here in, in my store in New Orleans and, um, you know, and we can deliver products to consumers within a 10 mile radius for four or five bucks, you know, just like using Postmates. And, um, and, and those are systems that consumers are going to be able to access. And when those shoes don't fit, rather than boxing it back up and shipping it across the country, wasting all of that carbon footprint, they're going to be able to like bring them back in and trade them up for another pair of shoes. And that's a really positive swing for consumers. That's a win for all of us. Right. And, Putting this so, shopper at the center. That's right. And that's exactly right. And so, you know, as Mike said, if it's the shopper who wants same day delivery as a service for whatever reason, convenience, you know, hey, I'm running late, I need to get it sent to my house or my office. Well, that's fantastic. You know, shoppers can can have that experience now. But I really feel like the ability for a shopper to know that a particular product may be available locally, that they can go in, they can get it and have that experience in the store and build that relationship so that the first time, and we'll just keep with Brooks for a moment here. So the first time someone tries on that Brooks running shoe, they're actually looking up and around everybody and saying, okay, who wants to go for a run? When's the next event? What are you doing Saturday morning at eight o'clock? Hey, do you want to meet? You know, and, and that's really what's driving shoppers. It's a, you know, we talk about experiential marketing. Well, there it is, you know, it, you, you establish that connection between your brand, you know, and your product with a shopper in the local community. And, you know, you just put a bow on the package. Right. Um, so in the past couple of podcasts, I've actually quoted a, um, a Steve Dennis. I'm hoping that his stats are accurate because I quote him all the time. <laughs> He's right. He was saying over 90% of purchases now, which is higher than I've ever heard before. And this was only just three weeks ago, I believe. So it was early November. Um, he was talking about how ninety over ninety percent of purchases are still made in a physical storefront, and I feel like there has been a swing. And obviously, you talked about that obviously already with with Walmart and kind of the past is the present again. But I also wanted to talk, like pivot a little bit with you guys and talk a little bit about that video that we will have in the links to the show notes that you shared called "Why Online Is Not Killing Physical Retail." Um, you both had, you know, things about that that you thought would be really great to integrate into this. But one of the things I wanted to say to kick that off for, for you guys is we used to talk about, and I'm still seeing this grow, but the cost of customer acquisition continuing to rise. And that is in my world of marketing, that's 110% true. As the social platforms continue to like make it more and more expensive to advertise, obviously Amazon is ramping up their advertising. And we just saw last week that Walmart is now offering a competitive solution to Amazon marketing systems. So I feel like the cost of customer acquisitions continues to rise and that's why some direct first brands are seeking out the taction and the, you know, positioning and specialty from a physical retail standpoint. But I also wanted you guys to speak a little bit about what was said in the video about online retail and like the actual percentage of sales that people think online retail comprises versus what they really are when you take Amazon and maybe a few other channels out of the equation. Can you speak to that 
because I think it's really important to where we're going next. Yeah, so the video um, really makes it clear that, um, you know, that the, the actual direct consumer and the business that's being done by the very large e-commerce platforms aside from Amazon is really just a small single digit of the total retail market in the world. And, and that said, um, brick and mortar retail is actually growing. You know, we hear about this, this, um, you know, the end of the world, brick and mortar, this, this and that. But, um, that's, that's really like five years ago. That has not occurred. We're still seeing brick and mortar growing, you know, despite the outlier Sears or the Kmarts that, you know, that, that had or Toys R Us that, that had, um, systemic issues that wouldn't have mattered, you know, who, who they were competing with. Um, brick and mortar continues to grow. And what's happening is that, is that brick and mortar stores are finding out ways to present consumers with more information about being able to buy, buy products near them. And that tactic is, you know, like movie theaters suddenly finding out how to be able to get their movie times online. Of course, people hesitate to go to a movie theater that doesn't present its, you know, movie times online. And being able to give consumers that information makes those stores into like the first point that a consumer goes to and says, oh, I can, let me go check this store real quick. And, and being able to do that, even near me, like, you know, small women's boutiques, you know, use Instagram to put up, you know, their latest collections. My wife follows that like crazy, um, you know, because it's near her. She wouldn't follow that if it was 200 miles away. And, and so, so again, brick and mortar, small brick and mortar stores that are nearby consumers have really a bully pulpit to be able to tell their story about the products that they carry and make endorsements of the products and brands that they want to see consumers near them buying for the, you know, for the, for the outing or for the school trip or the soccer game. They're able to have that bully pulpit and tell consumers what to buy. And Teddy, you also were talking about that from a brand perspective in terms of consumers encountering the truth on a brand's owned website. Yeah, well, our earlier conversation, you know, offline, you know, had to do with, you know, the, the white noise around shoppers where, you know, maybe someone is, you know, involved with, a, you know, let's just say a chat room or a social media site where it's just loaded with opinion on top of opinion. And, you know, once a shop, once a, as a consumer, as a shopper, as an end user, once you're really interested in discovering the truth, where do you go to seek the truth about such and such a product? You know, you go to the brand site, you go and you research it yourself, you get the real story on it, you get the information, it gives you the ability to compare technical aspects or so on, you know, and it's not just opinion, but it's factual. And so once you go to the brand site for the truth, that's where you can then discover the partners of the brand. Then you can begin to discover where the brand is nearby. Oh, by the way, I love that shop. I love that store. I've always wanted to go in there, you know, and, and then, you know, connecting that to Mike's point about logistics and such, you know, if you think about it, you know, every one of these retailers in the community is really like a little working warehouse, right? That's so if right. you look at, that's right. So you look at the distribution for a brand among thousands and thousands of doors, those are all little working warehouses and opportunities for people. So it's not that physical retail is, has, died or that it's dead, you know, it's just changed. It's more, I'm going to use the word authentic again, you know, it's more specialty, it's more authentic. And if you look at the retailers that have gone out of business and you compare like someone like Steve Dennison, what he said, you know, it's not that retail is dead, it's that lousy retail is dead. You know, you can't just throw everything on a dusty shelf and expect people to swipe it anymore. You know, that's what online shopping is for. But if I want an experience and I want a quality product, I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to a local specialty shop and become part of the culture. I love that. That's very, very well said. 
And then just to kind of pivot one more time here to wrap this up, uh, having Ryan Atkinson from Smarty Tailing on recently, he had a really interesting quote that I think would be great to share. Again, brand building from the brand side is fun. Driving traffic to retail is very challenging. And I think it's really important that we maybe end our conversation on this around the fact that everybody within a brand has to be focused on driving traffic to retail. I mean, over 90% of conversion is happening in physical retail still. And I think that you guys had some points you wanted to bring up on this topic in terms of internal channel conflict of brands. Well, yeah. And just to, and just to, you know, tee that one off, I, I think that, you know, really the conversation comes back to, you know, at the center of omni-channel is the shopper, right? And, um, you know, if, um, you know, Ryan in that quote, you know, he says that it's really difficult, you know, for a brand to reach those shoppers. Well, you know, that's what your distribution network is for. That's what they do, you know, and, and it's really not some, it's not linear, you know, it's not like, well, we're trying to drive toward reaching the shopper, you know, it's like, we need to spread it out to everybody, you know, and it's, and it's sort of all encompassing and they come back to you and you give them a reason to come to you. Right. I totally agree. And then not having the, the sales, uh, you know, channel directors and marketing channel directors internally at a brand competing against each other, because that only, I mean, you can't not have a fragmented presence if that's true. It's collaborating around everybody being on the same page with that shopper being at the center of the omni-channel experience. Something that Mike had said earlier, you know, we were talking about internal channel conflict, you know, among brands and Mike was describing earlier and he can pick this one back up about how the digital marketing versus the wholesale channel, you know, need to really understand that they are, they're all working for the same brand and the same shopper. Yeah, I, I, the point I'd made was that the brand and the retailer really just need to both be saying yes to the consumer um, all the time. And, and, and I think that on um, what we're going to see in the next, you know, we are certainly, you know, we see where we've come in the last five years, but I think in the next five years, you're going to see brands and retailers merge their offer to consumer even closer. You're going to see things like, you know, have this shipped to a nearby store and be fit, or I made this purchase online and I'm going to return to the nearby store. Or, you know, there's just going to be a lot of additional new solutions that emerge. You can give Amazon a lot of praise for, you know, iterating, you know, what was relatively stagnant. The retail business was relatively stagnant. We were all running ads in the yellow pages, you know, and, and Amazon saw an opportunity and really has dominated consumer behavior. They've taught consumers to shop 24 hours a day online. And, um, and that's, that's really worked. But um, I, I think we're going to see local brick and mortar roaring back over the next five years using better systems. You know, to date, we're, we're only still referring the shopper to an address. And I can totally understand that a brand who's spending 10 or 15 or $20 to acquire eyeballs doesn't want to necessarily hand that off to a brick and mortar store. But the brand needs to also understand how, ex how much more expensive it is to try to acquire eyeballs um, from a consumer that's never heard of that brand. Brick and mortar stores drive the understanding or the, the brand recognition. If, um, you know, without brick and mortar stores, it's so much harder. And, um, and Kristen, there, you, you know, stepping aside here, there was another um, thing, and I'll try to find that, but one of the, um, one of the more recent blog posts, or it's actually a news story that I saw, where a, a very successful online clothing retailer came out and said, you know, yeah, we're going to build brick and mortar stores because no one, no one 
has figured out how to make online clothing retail profitable. And I think that says everything about where we're going to go in the next five years. Yep. I saw that too. And I can't remember who said it, but I will, I actually think I have that somewhere. So I'll try and put that in the show notes too. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. So again, I think the takeaway is with the Nike Amazon thing, we're seeing once again that you can't do a great job with a specialty approach and a turnkey mass logistics solution at the same time. So we really need to kind of focus on what we were born to do, brand storytelling, community building experiences, and really, really just invest in that and work with our brand partners on that as retailers and vice versa. So this has been a fantastic conversation. And I wanted to just, before we close up here, can you give us um, a little bit of insight on some of the new features and innovations that you're launching at Locally that I think are enabling specialty to be more competitive with what's out there and the noise that's out there? Because we are competing, obviously, for consumers still. But you're helping us manage the digital divide in our specialty businesses every time you come out with something new. And I wanted you guys to talk a little bit about what you um, what you have on deck here for us in 2020. So um, I'll do two and then maybe Teddy can do two. The first two that I want to um, talk about are um, our same-day delivery. We rolled that out in beta with Brooks in the summer. Um, it, it was fantastic. Um, you know, we had, we had uh, you know, dozens of retailers using that platform to deliver shoes to consumers from the Brooks Running website in, I mean, in under an hour. Um, you know, so that system is now rolled out um, nationwide, and we're going to soon roll that into Europe. Um, you know, we'll be rolling out more and more delivery services that can provide anything from a kayak delivery to a refrigerator delivery to a pair of shoes or a rain jacket on a rainy day. That's absolutely happening now. And then um, we just finished with an alpha of integration with Google's See What's in Stock engine. So we're now injecting real-time inventory for retailers into Google's search platform. And then um, the last thing I want to mention as we kind of wind this down is um, that we are doing some really cool integration work right now with a couple of like awesome marketing companies that specialize in online to nearby marketing. You know, and um, you'll see more of that emerging into 2020 as well as um, you know, deeper integrations with B2B platforms that will allow retailers to see their inventory and, and see the contrast of their inventory against um, what's trending near their store. That sounds awesome. Teddy, do you have anything you'd like to add? <laughs> well, that was five. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all exciting and they're all great. Um, a couple of things that we have in 2020 uh, that excite me. One is uh, our ship to store, our, our drop shipping uh, program will be um, in its version two uh, iteration. And so um, we're seeing a lot of brands. It, it, it goes perfectly with everything we've been talking about today. We see a lot of brands who are really wanting to um, activate their retail channel, their wholesale channel and their retailers uh, in order to drive product uh, and meet consumer demand, but through their local stores. And so we have a number of, um, let's, you know, auto and accessory, uh, snow sports, uh, you know, various industries who are going to lever the retail channel and enable shoppers to pick from the available warehouse stock of the brand for pickup and delivery and service at local retail stores. Um, and we're really blowing that up. And what makes what makes us really successful at this is the fact that we're able to show, you know, a variety of um, 
inventories from a variety of retailers, you know, in, in sync with the brand inventory. So um, the retailers aren't committed to any one platform. They could be using any number of things and, you know, we're able to really bring it together with brand stock. So, um, so ship the store is a big one for us. It's coming up. And then another is, uh, is catalog use where, we're really making a, an effort to enable retailers to be able to use uh, you know, locally services as their solution for, uh, for e-com. And you know, we don't facilitate shipping per se. Uh, we drive shoppers into stores and retailers seem to like this, you know, driving retailers into stores. And so, um, so we're, we're really spinning up these systems where it enables us to process you know, hundreds, thousands of catalogs at a time for retailers to be able to use to present their stock uh, to drive more shoppers into brick and mortar. And I'm really excited about that one. That's awesome. And tell us where my amazing audience can learn more about these um, news, your own news headlines at Locally. Well, they can, um, they can certainly go to our blog, which is locally.com slash blog. And um, that gets updated constantly as well as subscribing on the locally site to our email newsletter, which goes out two or three times a month and typically has a journal of all the stories you might've missed on the last couple of emails. So um, there's that. And then obviously follow us on social media. You know, those are places we're posting updates. And at the end of January, you guys are going to be in person at the industry intelligence day at the outdoor retailer SIA show up in Denver. January 2020. So they have, I believe your um, session is called at the center of Omnichannel is the shopper or some semblance of that, correct? Right on. That's it. Nailed yep. it. Yep. So uh, yeah, we're going to be on uh, uh, the first day of the show uh, around 3.30 that afternoon. And uh, certainly love to uh, have anyone from your audience, you know, tune into us that day, come and visit us and, and uh, fire away any questions they might have. Awesome. And we'll help you promote that leading into it because I'm sure it will be a do not miss opportunity. So thank you, Teddy. And thank you, Mike, for your time today. You always bring so much value to my audience and it is just awesome to reconnect. So thanks so much. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new channel mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.